it's um yeah be prepared have the right tools and uh if you want to go somewhere i've told this my whole life to people uh they always ask me how i travel so much and it's just commit buy the plane ticket the life in motion podcast is brought to you by actual outdoors they help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation said simply they keep it real learn more at actualoutdoors.com this is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up, and welcome to episode 181 of Life in Motion. I've got Mark with me, who's a professional guide, wilderness first responder, and outdoor lover. I'm excited to hear his story and how he's sharing that love for the outdoors with others. Mark, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeremy. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you on, uh, especially since, uh, you know, our shared uh, connection, John, from Actual Outdoors, uh, uh, help, help make this happen. So I'm definitely excited to to learn more about what you're up to. And I know you just got back from a, uh, a decent trip not too long ago. But before we get into some of those uh, details that I mentioned in the intro, let's kind of start with, you know, who you are, where you're from, kind of what what got you into the outdoor lifestyle in the first place? All right. Well, uh, I was born in St. Louis, and uh, now I live just across the river in St. Charles, uh, just a couple hundred yards from the Missouri River. Um, I've lived in this area my whole life, but I've uh, always been obsessed with the outdoors, I guess you'd say. Uh, as a child, my dad uh, would always take me down to the Current River and Jack's Fork and like, you know, the Ozark National Scenic Riverway is kind of where I got the hook and um, started off with just day floats with the family. And then it turned into my brother and I going on overnight float trips and it turned into 100 mile trips on paddle boards. <laughs> uh, and then... Um, as well as that, I was always uh, into just camping and backpacking. So as well as that, backpacking kind of also grew and grew where I did bigger and longer trails and then uh, started doing a lot of the 14ers in Colorado. And that turned into me wanting to climb on glaciers. So I went to uh, Mount Rainier and did a bunch of training with Alpine Ascents. Um, we went to Alaska and did another long training course there. And then since doing that training, I've climbed in the uh, Andes, in the Himalayas, in the, um, and yeah, all the Cascades, but most of the big Cascade mountains. Wow. Um, and yeah, while I was doing the climbing, kind of climbing part of my outdoor career, I was, uh, I painted cars for a living and, uh, at the beginning of last year, I got an opportunity to uh, switch it up, and I started guiding for a uh, for a company in St. Louis called Big Muddy Adventures. Uh, we have thirty foot Voyager canoes that hold up to fourteen people, and we do everything from uh, one hour floats just underneath the arch, where you get a view of the city from a canoe up to uh, the trip that you just mentioned in the intro there was I just got back from a 100 mile expedition that was uh, five days. And um, that was kind of down in the boot hill close to uh, we ended the trip ended in New Madrid. So New Madrid, however you want to say it. So it was that was a 100 mile expedition. So that's kind of a quick, uh, <laughs> quick wrap up of uh, how I ended up where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit of uh, everything it sounds like sprinkled in there. So 
Um, you know, kind of one question I have is, you know, you, you growing up, um, you know, kind of in the St. Louis area, as you mentioned, um, obviously isn't, isn't necessarily a, a small city by any means. So I guess what was, what was that like, I guess, as far as, you know, I guess, what was it about the outdoors that kind of kept you hooked kind of obviously, you know, the, the, the family aspect of initially, and then it kind of grew, but, you know, I guess finding yourself to f- in these different adventures and kind of progressing everything like that when, you know, you could just easily find something to do in the city that's not really outdoor related. Kind of what was that, that hook? Um, it was honestly, uh, it was the, the current river like this, that's, that's <laughs> when people, like I said, I've been around the world on expeditions and rivers and, uh, climbing trips and, if someone came up to me today and said, what's your favorite place on earth? I would say the current river. So, uh, having something, something that amazing two and a half hours away from this big city that I live in, it was just, uh, and the consistency of the flow of the river. I don't know. It was just, yeah, it's basically the Ozark national scenic Riverways. that and the Jack Jack's fork were the two places that kept drawing me away from the city. I would literally spend every weekend, uh, get off of work from the body shop on a Friday night and drive straight to the river and then come back Sunday night, just in time to go to sleep, to wake up, to go to work. So, (laughs) uh, and like I said, it started off with day floats and then it turned into two day trips and then three day trips. And then, uh, it's, it's probably been eight to 10 years now, but my brother and I, uh, paddleboarded the entire length of the, the current river within the Ozark national scenic riverways. So, it was a little over a hundred mile trip. It was eight days on the river paddling, kind of had all of our backpacking equipment packed down small. So I guess, that, uh, yeah, just the fact that we, I do live in a city, but I have access to amazing wilderness. And, uh, actually when I started doing this 20 years ago, when I went down there, there was nobody there. It was like just this vacant wilderness. Now I think it's gaining in popularity. I know COVID really, uh, pumped up the outdoor industry. So where, uh, yeah, we had this great, this great resource, the Ozarks, just, uh, just a couple hours away and now doing what I do for a living, it's really magnifying the fact that we have an even greater outdoor resource, even closer. I mean, we're, we're at the confluence of the two largest rivers on the continent and I paddle them with clients every day and I never see paddlers. And I, we all believe uh, that if um, if the confluence of the two biggest rivers in the continent were uh, in Denver, Colorado, there'd be a thousand people paddling it every day. <laughs> so it's kind of, uh, yeah, I mean, we the current river is close, but the Missouri and Mississippi are literally, you know, colliding here in St. Louis and no one's out there. So just the outdoor, we have more outdoor resources here than I think people like to realize. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree with that. And, and it's cool that, you know, obviously you, you found that love with the the current river and then ex- expanded. And, and like you said, you know, with with the Missouri and the and the Mississippi kind of meeting everything right there, you know, um, not a lot of people being out there because, as you said, if that was somewhere in Colorado, that'd probably be a little bit different. So it's cool that you were able to take advantage of kind of the the wilderness that that is around the area. So. I, I do also want to ask about the uh, that hundred mile uh, paddleboard trip. Um, I mean, with, especially with with gear and stuff and everything. 
So was that just like, was that more of like a challenge to like push yourselves? Like, had you, had you ever done anything? Well, I guess you hadn't really done anything that far before, but kind of what, what was kind of that experience like, as it sounds like, you know, your first kind of long, um, long-term kind of trip in that sense. Um, I think my brother and I might have done one long distance Missouri river trip before the paddleboard trip. But the the paddleboard trip was uh, we both um, we both grew up floating those rivers and also backpacking a lot. So we had all this backpacking gear, and I guess just one day it dawned on us that you know no one's paddleboarding these rivers. Paddleboarding is becoming like a new a new trend and a new outdoor uh, thing. People are loving it. So it was kind of like almost our first time paddleboarding. Uh, <laughs> we we got the paddleboards. We already had the big backpack, like expedition style dry bag. So we just packed all of our, you know, our ultralight backpacking gear into there. And really it's like backpacking, but you also have the luxury of strapping a small cooler on the board too. So we actually had more luxuries than we would have on a five-day backpacking trip. And we both have been on five-day backpacking trips. So, uh, it was more of it was uh it was very relaxing it was like an amazing trip because you have a kind of a swim platform that you're going down the river on so on big dead calm pools we could just dive off the board swim around it climb back on and keep going it's uh it's become one of my favorite ways to travel ozark streams for sure yeah that no that's that's awesome and yeah, that's a good point with, you know, how, how big the boards are to, to be able to have that extra, uh, extra gear, coolers, everything like that. And, uh, you know, if you get hot, it's easy enough to, you know, just take a quick dip. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it was just, it's super fun and convenient. And then we also <laughs> fly fish. So kind of having that, uh, higher perspective when you're approaching, uh, something you want to fish, I'm looking down into the water. So with a nice pair of polarized glasses, you can almost sight fish on the current river in that case. Oh, there you go. A little, little twofer, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, a little personal drift boat you get to stand on the front of. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then so, so you know, obviously, we you know, we talked about kind of the, the love for the rivers kind of initially and everything like that. So, and then, you know, moving on to... Um, you know, climbing glaciers and everything else. Where did, where did kind of that, uh, inspiration come from? Like, did that start like climbing at a, at a, at a, at a gym or did you see something online? You're like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go out and try do this. Cause as you um, mentioned, all the, the training that you did, you know, it's, uh, seems pretty in, intensive, uh, to, to kind of get all that accomplished. Yeah, I guess it was started. Like I said, my dad's always, uh, been very interested in the outdoors and, uh, the current river trips and all that stuff. Um, but he was also interested in like the culture of Mount Everest. And uh, so when I was a kid, I just saw pictures and he would watch documentaries and stuff like that. So when I started backpacking a lot in the Ozarks, like I said, that transitioned into my brother and I going and climbing like Long's Peak was our first 14,000 foot peak in Colorado. And then, uh, yeah, it just, it hooked me that the combination of like backpacking and i did like you mentioned i've been to a rock climbing gyms but uh in the climbing world i prefer to have like a uh a longer term goal than just like climbing a pitch at a gym <laughs> i do love rock sport climbing but i just what really really got me was being like wow the the top of this climb is like five days away you know and then being able to sleep on a glacier i mean 
I don't know. Well, the first the first trip to Mount Rainier, it was uh, definitely life changing. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, kind of, kind of to that point, you know, uh, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, getting to the top of it, and you know, not just you know on the wall at the gym or whatnot. I can definitely understand that. There's two different perspectives, not only from the challenging aspect, but also from uh, the beauty aspect of it as well. But you know, you mentioned that that first uh, experience of Mount Rainier was life changing in that sense. What, what, I guess, what was it about that, that, uh, trip that kind of, uh, you know, gives it that moniker? Uh, maybe it was the, like, um, growing up and having kind of, I really loved the idea of just the Everest style climbing. Like it didn't seem like something that a normal person could do. And then when I just literally saved up money and went and did it. And because I was a backpacker and a rock climber and doing these 14ers and so passionate about it, it just kind of came easy to me. Not, not, I mean, I still climbing as a uh, mountaineering, as they say, a bit of like a, you have to enjoy to suffer a little bit because it's not always (laughs) comfortable, but I like, I was ready for that. And it was just, I don't know, I was mentally ready for it. And when I did it and, uh, it was a very the first this Mount Rainier climb. It was eight days of training, and then uh, you climb the last three days. So a lot of the other people in the course, you could kind of see just eight days of camping is a lot for a lot of people, you know. But I just luckily, uh, I almost recover when I'm outside. It's kind of backwards when I'm at home. I'm flustered and clustered and running around like a crazy person. And as soon as I step out into the wilderness, everything kind of calms down. So it's just where I'm naturally uh, the most comfortable. And on glaciers, it's still, that still exists. I'm still somehow more comfortable at on a glacier than I am at a mall. So it's just where I feel most at home, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. And then then you mentioned that, you know, progress to um, going to Alaska and the Andes and, and everything else is I guess what what were some of those um, kind of trips and experiences like, you know, doing that? Obviously, you know, it kind of seemed like you took, you know, this, uh, well, I guess a natural progression, I guess, as you know, from from in Colorado to, uh, to Mount Rainier and then and then Alaska and all these other places kind of what what were some of, I guess, maybe stories that came from there or something that you might not have expected as those um, climbs and places might've gotten a little bit, uh, different. Um, I guess the big thing is, is I also, uh, I love to travel in general and I love seeing other cultures and other parts of the worlds and, uh, learning about people and just different religions and ways of life. So, uh, a lot of like in the Himalayas, for example, I was in the Kumbu Valley where, uh, climbers of Everest travel up and down to climb Everest where I went to Everest base camp and then went off uh, to a different base camp for Island Peak is the mountain I climbed. But really I was there for about a month and the actual like putting on crampons and sleeping in a tent and climbing was like uh, four or five days of that. And most of it was just traveling from village to village and slowly going up an elevation and then going high, so high that you're uncomfortable and then going back down. So uh, I guess um, I found out that I do like the culture and the traveling just as much, like it is equal as the climbing and the summits. Because when I go on uh, my favorite climb of, my favorite climb ever was a mountain in Peru called Chapacauqui, where I I got altitude sickness at 18,000 feet and it was just kind of like what I'm 
most people would describe as a migraine. I had like a, a, a brain thop, a throbbing headache. So my team went ahead without me, came back to camp. And uh, so I didn't summit. I didn't get the big, I didn't, you know, the whole goal of the trip didn't happen. But because of the people and the culture and the beauty of the mountains and these villages and the towns, it's still my favorite trip. So I guess, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not about the summiting for me or even the climbing. Sometimes it's just the travel and the meeting the people and the culture. I love it. So that makes it nice so that even when the climb doesn't work out the way I wanted it to, it could still end up being the greatest trip of my life. So it's motivating to, and also, you know, people who get what they call summit fever is one of the most dangerous things in climbing is when you have the migraine, I could have kept it a secret from my team and tried climbing and get everyone in trouble when instead I just laid back and let them do their thing, you know? So, uh, even, even a failure could still be my favorite trip ever. So that's, I guess what I learned about the international climbs and the going to other places. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And to be able to, you know, obviously take a, uh, uh, not planned situation such as, such as altitude sickness, but still making the most of it in that case. Um, and then really kind of, uh, I guess, you know, experiencing the culture and it's, it's cool to that, that you're able to do that and kind of take those, those things away from you or uh, away from those trips. Um, I guess, and that's, that's kind of an interesting question too. So, you know, experiencing these different cultures and way of life and everything like that during, you know, during these crazy adventures at the same time, I, I guess, how did that, you know, were you able to kind of bring anything back with you from all these travels, like with what you're, you know, what you're doing now, or, you know, even before you started guiding, um, I guess, are there any of those like takeaways that you kind of helped that you, that you felt, yeah, I guess, um, as, as you work and guide other people and, and so on and so forth. I mean, uh, the biggest thing probably would be, uh, in, in relation to my, this, uh, gu this guiding career I'm taking on now is that when my first day stepping into, uh, being a guide, like kind of, you kind of start off, there's like a step up program. So you kind of, you're a shuttle driver and then you learn the ways of the trips, but uh, on my first day as even a shuttle driver, because I had been a client so many times and other places, I knew what our clients would expect. And I know, you know, I've been like Alpine Ascents uh, is one of the biggest mountaineering companies in America, and they have their stuff dialed in so well. So uh, I could just take the experience and you know, the way guides act and the way guides tell stories and uh, the information and the way the guides present information. Um, I learned a lot of that. So stepping just straight into this career, I felt like I knew what I was doing, even though it was my first day guiding. I had been guided so many times and I'd been in so many crazy situations that it just came real natural. So it makes my new job very, uh, it, was an, it was an easy transition. Yeah, absolutely. That that makes that makes definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That ma that makes sense there, um, for sure. Um, and to be able to you know take that away and then apply that to kind of your your own guiding in that sense. So, um, so so to that point, you know, we mentioned uh, a couple of different um, or, or kind of. Um, I, I guess when it comes to guiding, obviously you're, you're doing more than just the, the shuttling now, but how many, how many, I guess, trips, um, are, I guess, do you take kind of throughout the year? I, I know you mentioned a couple shorter ones and obviously some, some longer ones as well, but 
what 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 I guess what do those trips um kind of look like um from from your perspective and you know the the participants uh, perspective as well. Uh, well, so this year I did um, a little over it was like a hundred and five days on the river. So it was um for the middle of the summer it was you know five five or six days a week and then kind of on what we call like the shoulder seasons the fall and the spring it might have been more uh more four or five days and then sometimes you know in the middle of the peak season i was out there seven days a week for you know a couple times but uh yeah i love it it's it's been the it's been the greatest thing ever and uh it's um yeah, so actually you had mentioned earlier uh nonprofits. We actually Big Muddy Adventures just recently became a uh nonprofit in St. Louis. So oh, opposed that's... to uh just trying to make money, our new uh mission is just to make St. Louis an outdoor destination and get the people of St. Louis to utilize these rivers safely because people have been paddling the Missouri and Mississippi for thousands and thousands of years. And now we have this little moment in time where a lot of St. Louisans are horrified of the river. So uh, yeah. we're, we're taking um, kids, a lot of kids out from schools in St. Louis. We use the, we use the money from our public trips to fund these free kid trips. So uh, I believe, like I said earlier, if the confluence of the two biggest rivers in the continent were in Denver, there'd be a thousand people. So we're going to start with uh, teaching children in St. Louis how to safely paddle these rivers so that maybe the stigma of, you know, the rivers are super, super dangerous and no one should go anywhere near them. It's to be more approached like this is a really cool outdoor resource. And if we respect the rivers and learn how to do it safely, we can paddle and go on these great trips literally in their backyards. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's right there, you know. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And and so and and it's definitely interesting too kind of the um you know shifting that mindset I guess from uh from from the business to a nonprofit kind of I set with that overarching goal of hey, you know, let's let's make let's make St. Louis and people outside of the city too, or outside of the area to come in and see this kind of as that destination with all this great stuff, which it has. So I guess with, with the, uh, I guess the, the pay trips or whatnot, are most of those people like local people within St. Louis? Or are you starting to see kind of a growth where, you know, maybe people are visiting St. Louis, but they're also doing that as well? Um, you know, are they, are they, you know, just looking for that, that kind of first time experience or kind of what is, what does that sort of look like? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised every day. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of locals and it's a lot of like repeat people. Like, uh, it's kind of a hard thing to spread the word about, but once people find out about us, they just keep coming back. Cause we, uh, we, we're, uh, we're, we're pretty proud in the food, that the, the food that we serve as well. So, you know, people might come out on our our signature trip is the full moon float where we paddle out to an island that's about 10 miles upstream from St. Louis around sunset. And then we cook like a big salmon or steak dinner, a big, a big, nice dinner. And then when the moon gets high in the sky, we paddle down through the city under the light of the moon and, and under the arch. So those trips are just we release our schedule in February and by March, they're pretty much sold out and we have a waiting list. So. Um, it's growing and growing for sure, but it is a, it's a, it's a hard thing to get the word out, but, um, 
yeah, it's happening. We're we're starting to blow up. That's that's great, and that um, sounds uh, like an awesome trip, and also a delicious one as well. Um, so, and then kind of with with kind of uh, kind of gearing more towards the youth as well um, to set up those those different programs. Obviously, you know it's important, you know, to there. I, I think it's important. We both think it's important to kind of get kids outside away from stuff and. Um, you know, kind of like what what we did as kids and just roam around in the woods and whatnot. But to to break that stigma around the r- rivers, as you mentioned, is that a lot of working with uh, uh, the, the school systems there or other maybe nonprofits that have, you know, after school programs or kind of what it, what is sort of, the, I guess, the goal from that perspective um, to help kind of increase that youth participation? Uh I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, word to mouth throughout schools, and we do kind of go and pitch ideas to schools. But uh, we work with like after after school programs. We work with many uh, schools in St. Louis, private schools, and then uh, uh, Big Muddy Adventures is in this nonprofit uh, umbrella, and the the main umbrella is River City, the River City Foundation. And one of our branches is River City Outdoors, who uh, they connect with a lot of uh, like underprivileged schools and uh, stuff like that. So we get we get to bring in all different kinds of kids from all different cultures and uh, different um, different worlds. So some of these people would never get a chance to go out here. And then uh, it's just amazing to see them like light up and realize that they can go swimming in the Mississippi you know, safely and do it. And they love it. It's, it's, it's one of the most rewarding parts of the job is getting kids from all over the St. Louis area to pull up to St. Louis and see the arts from a canoe. And they're just watching them light up and, and love it is really cool. Cause you think that they might be, they might be some of the people in the future who are utilizing this resource. Like it's actually, I feel like it's working, you know, and that's very rewarding. Yeah. Absolutely. I can see how that's rewarding. And, and you know, that the, the introduction to the outdoors in that sense is, is so important because to your point, you know, the that's just growing that that next kind of generation of the outdoor lo- lovers and kind of, you know, kind of sharing that because, you know, they'll they'll tell their friends and so on and so forth. They'll get older and then the younger siblings will look up to the older ones and, and vice versa. So um, that's really cool to be able to have uh, kind of had that growth and the kind of that idea there. Um, so we kind of talked about some of the, the local kind of guides that you've done. Um, and I know, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, you, you, you do larger ones as well. So, um, what, what was the trip that you just got finished with, uh, not too long ago? Uh, well, we're also this year, we launched a new, uh, a new series of trips called, we're calling it the century series and they are, uh, hundred mile trips. And, um, we did two or three this year. The one that we just got back from, uh, we called the wild miles and it started in Cape Girardeau on the Mississippi. And we paddled, it was like 120 miles down to new Madrid. And, uh, it's called the wild miles because, uh, most of the time you're paddling on that section of the river, you, you don't, you see very little human infrastructure. You know, the, there's wing dikes that the Corps of Engineers uses to control the river. Those are still there, obviously, but as we don't see much uh, as far as there's very few bridges, we don't go past a lot of towns. It is a lot of just wilderness. So when you look at it on Google Maps, it's a big green chunk, you know, and there's not a lot <laughs> going on. So uh, and then 
at the actual halfway point of that trip, we uh, reached the confluence of the Ohio River, which pretty much doubles the size of the Mississippi. So it doubles the size of the Mississippi from what we see here in St. Louis, which, you know, at times could be over a half mile wide. Well, there was some spots down there where it was almost two miles wide. So it just became a massive, massive river down there. <laughs> and uh, with that, the 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 amount of barges that a towboat can push down there doubles as well. So in St. Louis, we see towboats that are pushing like 15 or 16 barges. Uh, we were down there and we were, I went, we, at one point we paddled in between two boats that had 30 each. So it was wow. like paddling past two buildings, you know, they were massive. <laughs> That uh, that has to be a little bit nerve wracking, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. We we uh we we like safety is a huge huge thing. We you know we're wearing the best life jackets available. We also uh, we're pretty savvy with the marine radios. So we uh, we actually we use an app to track what boats, what barges, what towboats are approaching. So we can call them by name on the radio, which really gets their oh. attention because they're not used to canoes even having radios, let alone <laughs> tracking and knowing who they are. So we call them on the radio and we make passing arrangements the same way that a barge does to a different barge. So uh, they really respect the fact that we, we're, you know, we're communicating with them the same way they communicate to each other and uh, makes things a lot less nerve wracking. Yeah, that's uh, no, that that's really interesting and, and makes a lot of sense. And to your point, I'm sure that makes them feel a lot better, too. Um, even though it might be surprising at first, you're communicating with them. But uh, <laughs> that, that no, that's great. And then so and with those that's um, pretty cool. with the the uh, century trips or whatnot, how uh, obviously it's 100 miles, but is that like a, a week or how, how long is that doing? Obviously, are you camping or are there a couple of camping nights over, I guess, over the couple of days as well? Yeah, it was. Uh, they, yeah, they're five, five days and four nights. OK, awesome. so uh, and uh, myself and my and, and the other guides I work with, we do all of the all the cooking. We pack the boats, unpack the boats where we bring, you know, enough water for everyone. So really, uh, as far as clients go, uh, you're just setting up your own tent and kind of building your own little personal camp. And then during the day, uh, most of the time it's beneficial for the, for the boat to be paddling. But, uh, sometimes if you want to just take pictures and hang out, that's okay too. But, uh, yeah, we, we take care of pretty much everything. So we're cooking breakfast, serving lunch, serving dinner, and, uh, yeah, it repeats every day. And so uh, we usually try to go, you know, 20, 20 or 30 miles a day, depending on if you get a lot of headwind and you're moving slow, you paddle more, but you make less miles. So it's kind of like a give or take. If we wait till tomorrow, we can go 35 miles. So uh, it's watching the wind and the direction of the river and all that. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty people people like it because like uh, same as the full moon float, we usually make pretty good food out there. So people aren't getting uh, <laughs> hot dogs and a can of beans or anything, you know? <laughs> no, that's, that's great. Um, and no, it sounds like, you know, especially it's, 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 you know, nice for the guests to be able to kind of, um, you know, not, I mean, they have to worry about stuff, but you know, obviously you are, you all are handling, handling a lot of it uh, to that point. I guess, are there like any, maybe like unique, like stories from, from the, the, the guests or the people that go on, on the trip with you maybe they weren't really that into the outdoors before or, or maybe they were maybe like something just kind of like changed 
you know, where they're like, Hey, you know, after this, this inspired me to go to this, this, and this, are there, are there kind of any interesting stories that have kind of come out of some of these trips like that? Uh, well, yeah, I mean the, the, our guide, our guide community, uh, is a pretty tight niche little group of friends. And, uh, one of, one of our clients actually has been on almost a hundred trips with us. She comes like once a week, if not twice a week, she goes on every expedition. So we, <laughs> and we have some clients that are a uh, part of the family because they're just, they like us, they love the river so much and it's an opportunity to hang out with friends and paddle. So it's kind of cool that we've, yeah, we actually have a client that, yeah, she has her own discount code. She goes so often. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm, and I'm sure that kind of uh, spreads the the word of mouth to to others as well, hopefully to, to get more people to go out there and and try it. So that's, that's great. So yeah. I know we've, um, yeah, I know, we, yeah, absolutely. So I know we've kind of uh, covered, covered quite a few things. Are, is there anything that we might have uh, overlooked? Or I guess I might have overlooked as far as, you know, either with the guiding or your your past adventures? Um, I don't know. I mean, that kind of brings us up to date going with the century series we just got back from. Uh, my season is kind of winding down right now. So we're cleaning up boats and cleaning the warehouse and doing repairs and resealing paddles and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, we're also working on some some winter programs. Uh, last year, I created a backpacking program for Big Muddy Adventures. So we might have uh, we're definitely doing backpacking trips with some of the school programs. But we might also off, be offering backpacking trips in the Ozarks uh, in the spring, potentially. Yeah, so a lot so, of a lot uh, of a lot of fun things in the yeah, works. Trying to keep it going and keep it. Yeah, trying to keep it going. The uh, keep keep. Yeah, but just our our whole goal is just to you know make people think outdoors when they think about St. Louis because there's so many resources here, and that's just not what people think about when you think about St. Louis. Yeah, absolutely. And it's cool that you've been able to do that. So um, to that point, kind of one thing I always like to ask our guests is, is one piece of advice um, that the audience can take away. And I think, you know, in, in this case, you know, and, you know, as you just mentioned, you, know, you want people to kind of think about St. Louis as, you know, an outdoor spot, maybe an outdoor destination, and obviously doing an awesome part and getting people out there. But and then from also from your own experience, kind of, you know, starting small and then kind of going to this international travel of climbing and everything else uh, in between. What I guess, what would you say to somebody who might be, uh, I guess, outdoor curious, let's let's call it that um, to kind of get outside and uh -huh. kind of get get these experiences, um, you know, that, that you have had, you know, whether that's maybe doing their their own. Um, their own trip, or maybe it's going on on one of uh, on your trips or anything like that. But what would you do to, or what would you tell somebody who's kind of on the edge, but for whatever reason they're hesitant to go, uh, you know, get their backpacking gear and then hop on a boat and then go camp out? Like, what, where, I guess, what would that be encouraging? Being, um, I guess, uh, yeah, do just do some research and do it the safe way, especially at first. You know, I mean, if you're gonna paddle any boat and any water you know, get, get a good life jacket that fits you well. And if, and get, get a nice one that like you're like, that you like wearing, I feel like people will buy just, you know, run to Bass Pro Shop and grab a life jacket and throw it in your boat, but you're not excited about it. So you don't want to wear it. So wear get, get good gear. Cause I mean, gear gets, I'm a, a huge gear nerd. I'm like sitting in my little gear room right now. So, uh, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, be prepared, have the right tools. And, uh, 
if you want to go somewhere, I've told this my whole life to people. Uh, they always ask me how I travel so much. And it's just commit, buy the plane ticket, just commit. You know, I mean, you can you can think about going to your the, your dream location your whole life, or you can buy a plane ticket and go. So I just I tell people to commit and do it. Yeah, I, that's that's great. I, I love the commit and do it because yeah, once once you buy that ticket, if it's something like that, you know, there's uh, not necessarily any turning back. So just to kind of figure it out, and then obviously you know do some research beforehand. But um, to that point, where can people uh, find you online? Um, you know, either personally or with the 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 trips, and kind of see see what's coming up in the future. Um, well, uh, I do have a uh, my Instagram account that I'm somewhat active on. I post a lot of this stuff because I'm on the river every day. So that is uh, st period like St. Louis, but St. Malco, S-T period M-A-L-K-O. So that's the first part of my last name uh, on Instagram. And but probably more importantly would be uh, a paddle STL on Instagram. That's the uh, Big Muddy Instagram that I also, uh, I'm one of the people who uh, run that account. And that's just, yeah, it's paddle STL. I think if you also search Big Muddy Adventures, but paddle STL, it's our logo. We're super active on that. You can learn about like when those big century series trips are coming up. We know we have all kinds of events and classes and trips and we'll let you know when the schedule for Big Muddy is released. Because like I said, those full moon floats uh, sell out real fast. So if you keep up with the big muddy socials you can uh, get on our best trips awesome well everybody definitely make sure you check them out get some uh, inspiration for your own or you know go on one of those uh, adventures yourself um and you know as as we've been talking about kind of help uh, uh or learn about the the beautiful outdoors that st louis does have to offer but um with that, I, I appreciate you coming on to share kind of your story, kind of, a, you know, a, a, an awesome path of how you got there. And then, of course, what you're doing now in the future. So um, to that point, I wish you all the best of luck. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a fun little chat. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.